Today's first chapter is from The Trader's Game by Jennifer, Jennifer A. Nielsen. Jennifer Nielsen has written quite a few other books, so you may recognize her name. Um, one fantasy that she's done before is called The False Prince. This is a fantasy book that um, is the beginning of a new series for her. So, in a trader's game, there are no winners, only those left standing at the end. Cheat or be cheated. Crush or be crushed. Play or be killed. The next move is mine. Chapter 1. Kestra. The truth of where I've been for the past three years wasn't what anyone believed. It wasn't exile, as my father claimed. The lava fields were barren and unforgiving, and charming in the way that discovering a thorn with one's bare foot might be charming. But I'd gladly choose to live there before sacrificing my happiness with my father's political demands. Nor was I hiding, as most people in my country suspected. While it was true that I'd been sent to the fields on the same day I escaped a kidnapping, I had Darrow to protect me now. Thanks to him, I was stronger than before. And I wasn't away learning to become a proper lady. If anything, the opposite was true. My handmaiden, Celia, had tried her best, encouraging me to put down the swords and disc bows Darrow liked to train me with and pick up a hairbrush or sewing needle instead. But so far, I'd done more damage to my fingers with the needles that had ever been done to me by the edge a blade. The truth about the lava fields was that every few people, very few people knew my whereabouts, making it the first place I'd ever felt truly free. Free to explore the knife-like maze of sharp black rocks. Free to sit in the stone cottage near Unknown Lake and eat at the rickety wooden table with Darrow, Cook, and Celia. Free to run and sing and let my hair tangle in the wind. Free, that is, until last night when a garrison of six Dominion Repub soldiers had unexpectedly arrived with the summons from my father to return home to the wood court. Why? Nothing on my end had changed, and he would certainly never back down. Yet here I was tonight, boxed inside a cramped security carriage, unable to block out the incessant noise of gravel grinding beneath our track wheels. I felt trapped. No, I was trapped. A thought that choked my breath. Everything had been fine in the lava fields. Aside from the occasional rumbling of an ancient volcano and a rest, relentless odor of sulfur, we'd enjoyed a simple life there, one with few rules and even fewer people to tell me how I disappointed them at at that day. Why should I have to go home? Are you all right, Kestra? You look worried. Sitting across from me in the carriage, Celia had spent the past hour nodding and unnodding her fingers. She was nervous, which was no great surprise. So was I. My first meeting with my father in three years could end poorly. Celia was a wisp of a cloud, a crocus flower in bloom, far too delicate for life in my service. 
Her hair was much lighter than mine and naturally curly, which gave me a fierce amount of jealousy. Though, because I belonged to the Dalser family, I could never admit to feeling inferior. I'm fine, I told Celia. I just want this ride to end. How long have we been stuck inside this carriage? Hours at least, though it wouldn't surprise me if the world had shifted into a new century since we'd left the cottage. Cook was probably an old woman by now, or an older woman. Another hour and we'll reach the inn. Celia seemed to believe if she always spoke with patience, the trait would inevitably rub off on me. I doubt that. To her credit, although she was only two years older, Celia had been patient with me for a year, a record for a lady in service. My former lady-in-waiting, Ibby, had lasted less than three months. Ibby had been prone to frantic episodes that Darrow insisted were brought on by the suffocating lava fields and not by my difficult behavior. I rather doubted that, too. Her last episode came on after I stitched her into her bed one night as she slept. It wasn't my fault. I was bored. That was nothing compared to my boredom now and an aching, relentless restlessness to escape this coffin on wheels. As a protection against attacks, security carriages had metal sides, a single narrow window with a thick glass and steel track wheels that could crush anything in its path preferably the attacker. A clear stone hung in one corner of our carriage, though if I warmed it with my hands to freshen the glow, I'd only be reminded again of how tight our space was. This carriage was a symbol for what my life might become now. Maybe everything I knew and wanted, everything I was, would soon be complicated into some safe, proper world unbearable. Darrow would understand. With a grip my poor handmaiden had too often seen before, I sat forward, unbolted the door, and reached for the handle. My lady, the carriage is moving. No details escaped Celia's sharp attention. Then I'd better not fall. I pushed open the heavy metal door and the crisp evening wind awakened my senses. It smelled like rain through the dirt road beneath us was dry. A half moon did little to cut through the dark night, but tall trees lined the road, and I thought here I heard a nearby river. That could put us practically anywhere between the edge of the lava fields and the outskirts of Hydenum. Celia put her hand on my arm. The garrison won't like this. Well, I don't like them either. The garrison served Endrick our lord of the dominion, because even the title of king was not grand enough for him. Part of service to Lord Endrick required that the piece of a soldier's heart be replaced with a magical ball of iron that Endrick could control when necessary. Hence our nickname for them, Iron Hearts. Never a complaint. Before Cecilia could protest again, which she undoubtedly would, I found a solid grip on the carriage frame and put a foot on the step. Darrow, I called up towards the driver's box. Darrow was almost 30 years my senior, but had the energy and spirit of a person half his age. He had dark hair that was rarely combed, a beard, all, beard always in need of a trim, and I believed an infatuation with Cook. 
It wasn't fair that she had been dismissed upon my leaving the lava fields. He shook his head when he saw me. You're in a security carriage for a reason, Kestra. I'm not in it now for other reasons. Give me a hand up. He chuckled, then shifted the reins into one hand and scooted across the bench towards me. You have to get higher than the wheels or you'll be caught in them. Darrow used to discourage me from such risking behaviors, but as soon as he understood I was going to do them anyway, he changed tactics. Now he taught me how to survive the risks I took. I checked my grip on the rail, then took my first step forward, blinking hard against the brisk evening air. This wasn't a good idea, which was the very reason to do it. If nothing else, it might be my only chance to study Lord Endrick's newest creation up close, the Oropod. These creatures pulling my carriage fascinated me. Oropods were slightly larger than horses, but had the muscle strength of a snowy lizard with leathery green patterned skin and two powerful hind legs. Before we left the fields, the garrison leader had explained how their front claws could be used for fighting or climbing and showed us their fanged teeth. I'd asked to ride one back in the fields just to see if I could, but was told that an oropod had to know its rider's scent or it'd eat the rider. Hence the reason Lord Endrick was fond of them. Celia opened the carriage windows. This is reckless, my lady. If your father finds even a scratch on you, he'll kill me. I glanced back, expecting to laugh off her comment, but Celia sounded upset, and for a good reason. I was 13 when I was sent from my father's home, still young enough to excuse his flaws as my own failures or understanding. I'd been young enough then in, to love him despite his coldness and to pretend that he cared for me too. After three years, I wondered if any love remained in his heart as all. It was still built beating, so there had to be some humanity left. Yet it could take a special talent for cruelty to become the chief counsel to Lord Endrick. I couldn't imagine the terrible things my father must have done in Endrick's name. After one more plea from Celia, I called to Daryl that I'd go back inside the carriage after all. It meant delaying our talk, but I couldn't risk getting her in trouble because of me. Before I took my first step, a whoosh from the woods on both sides of the road. At first, I thought it must be a swarm of bats flying from behind the trees, but then I heard the cries from the garrison. These were discs, dozens of them. Get back inside, Darrow yelled as he pulled up the reins. Four Dominion soldiers were leading our carriage. Three of the men were immediately cut down by the disc's sharp edges, and the fourth didn't get far behind before he hit two. The two riders behind our carriage shouted for me to duck, but I was too terrified to move. Seconds later, they were struck as well, tumbling off the backs of their oropods. Fear flooded into me, so forcefully I couldn't hold my thoughts together. My garrison was dead, all of them, dead, and in mere seconds. Who would have done this, and why? Kestra, get down, Dara ordered. This time I obeyed, bending my knees low, my hands clinging to the frame of the carriage. Darrow steered sharply from the rider's orthopods, so I couldn't open the heavy door, but if another disc attack came... I'd be venerable. Two oropods still pulled our carriage. If they fell, we'd be trapped here. Trapped by whom? 
The clan of the banished, who'd kidnapped me three years ago, were enemies of my family and had been exiled from the Dominion. After four days in their captivity, during which they somehow failed to kill me, Darrow had come to my rescue and remained in my service ever since, in case the banished returned. Except they didn't feel like the banished. They weren't known for precision attacks. The Koraks were. This thought chilled me to my bones. The reason why I'd been missing for three years didn't matter. What did matter was that no one was supposed to know where I'd been or that I was headed home tonight. But whoever was hiding in the woods knew, and whatever they wanted with me, they were obviously willing to kill to get it. I was in serious trouble. <laughs>